Hey, you're listening to Cut for Time, a podcast from Faith Church located on the north side of Indianapolis. My name is Claire Kingsley, and each week I'll sit down with one of our preaching pastors to discuss their Sunday sermon. Cut for Time is a look behind the scenes of sermon prep, and they will share some things with us that we did not hear in the sermon. The goal of the podcast is to ask things like, why did our church need to hear this message on Sunday? Or, why did you personally need to preach this message? The pastors will also share some practical next steps. We're glad you're here listening. Here's my conversation with Pastor Jeff. All right, Jeff, it's Monday afternoon. Welcome back to Cut for Time. Hey, Claire, good to see you. You too. Addie is also joining us. So Yay. if anyone hears weird noises, it's a seven-month-old it might be me. on the podcast. It might be me, but it, it might also be Addie. It might be Jeff drinking his protein shake. Oh, yeah, there's that. Well, Jeff, on Sunday, you preached from James chapter 3, verses 1 through 12. Why don't you give us a quick flyover of your sermon from yesterday? Uh, yeah, in a sense, this is, uh, you can almost say a parallel to the passage we looked at the Sunday before in the end of James 2, where James is saying, if you really believe Jesus, it's going to show up in how you live, in what you do. And here, James is saying, if you really believe in Jesus, it's going to show up in how you talk and how you control your tongue. And not a new topic for James. We, we heard parts of this in chapter one and chapter two, but, but here he really dives in to really encourage us to take the matter of our speech seriously, to weigh our words wisely. Uh, because James has said, uh, if we can't bridle our tongues, uh, our religion is worthless. And it's a sign of maturity and wisdom to be able to control our speech. So James wants us to see the responsibility of our words and the power that our words have with these uh, incredible images of the, the tongue being like a, a fire, a, a stain, um, something that can control the whole direction of our lives. And, and then to really dig in and see that the real issue is the reality behind our words, uh, that our words don't come from nowhere. They, they're, as Jesus says, we speak out of the overflow of our hearts. And so James is challenging us to, I think, really lift the hood, look at what's really going on in our hearts and recognize if we have angry, ugly, hateful, divisive, self, selfish, domineering kind of conversation, it isn't really just a matter of controlling our tongues. It's a matter of getting our hearts right. And, and that's what he's pushing us towards. So to... to weigh our words wisely because it really does matter. It's not just a small thing. Mm -hmm. And additionally, teachers have even more pressure. So, I mean, how do you feel teaching this message, knowing um, whatever's going on in your personal life, but then also as a pastor, as a teacher, and now you're teaching on words. How did you feel going into the message on Sunday? Yeah, there, there, boy, there's, there's so much there. One is, uh, boy, there's just so much to say about this passage. And one of the things I didn't get to was that I was going to throw in a little line uh, to say something like, uh, I, I think reading this passage about teachers and greater strictness that uh, Joey backed away and let me have this one. Um, but truthfully, there, yeah, it's humbling and sobering to preach on this passage particularly. Uh, I mean, just personally to recognize I am going to be held to stricter judgment because of the role and the responsibility that I have for 
teaching others, for instructing others, for telling people, here's what God's word says and how we should live. And James' point is, are you actually doing that? And then, of course, it's even just personally humbling. Uh, as James says, we all stumble in many ways. And uh, boy, as a husband, as a father, uh, as a pastor, as you know, a brother, a son, all of those things, a friend, it's hard, it's humbling to stand up in front of people and talk about how we ought to use our speech to bless and encourage and build up all the time instead of tearing down. And uh, it's, uh, and to be convicted by that. Yeah, mm -hmm. it's challenging for sure. Mm -hmm. Jeff, is there anything else from Sunday that you had to cut out that you wish you could have expanded upon? Hmm. Um, yeah, a lot. Uh, just one, one thought that comes to mind. Um, people point out it's interesting that, that both uh, James and uh, Paul, when they're talking about qualifications for leaders, uh, for, for people, for what, what makes someone spiritually mature, uh, they both mention gentleness and self-control, especially in the context of our speech towards others. Uh, and, and we see that in Jesus, right? I, I mean, Jesus is obviously sinless, the, the, uh, the spiritually mature and whole person. And we don't see him 90% of the time getting in people's faces, getting angry, you know, being, being aggressive, uh, confrontational. And, and yet Jesus is the strongest, like the internally strongest person that ever lived. Uh, and it's, it's a sign of maturity to be able to display strength in self-control and gentleness and patience. Um, it, it, because the most natural, the most fleshly and easy thing to do when, when we're hurt is to hurt back, you know, to give back in kind, to, you know, to attack back, to react. And real maturity, real strength, real spiritual strength is more often... I think both by example and by teaching in the New Testament is more often seen in self-control, in being slow to anger, because that's what God is like, and slow to speak, and quick to listen. And that, boy, that's a, again, even for me as a personal application, and, and maybe for us, you know, as culturally, and in whatever, you know, we call this season or moment that we're in, there's just a lot of free-floating anger, and maybe even kind of a celebration of being bombastic and, you know, owning people and, um, you know, tearing people down. And I think Jesus and James and Paul and the rest of the biblical writers would say, no, that, that is not, that is almost never a sign of real spiritual maturity and real strength. Mm -hmm. Because that's, that's not primarily what Jesus is like. That's not what we're encouraged to be. Mm -hmm. So maybe it's a, you know, the application is looking at those times where I'm tempted to want to strike back, to want to, you know, get my words in and, and let that person know and to invite God to help me be slow to speak, slow to anger and quick to listen and to really reflect, is this, an, is this the time where I need to show real strength in self-control? So Jeff, um, what percent or what amount of times do you find yourself catching yourself in a conversation, biting your tongue and not saying what you're thinking? Yeah. In, in conversation with other people, what percent of the time or how often do I just 
not say something intentionally that came into my head because I realize it's not going to be helpful. It's not going to be good. It's just about me. Um, yeah, to answer that, uh, whew, um, how often do I not say something in a conversation that, uh, or, or not, you know, jump to, to get my words in? Um, not often enough. <laughs> Uh, yeah, honestly, uh, probably less under less than half the time for sure. Um, mm -hmm. there's just, uh, I mean, it's a challenge for all of us. And I think James recognizes it's probably an occupational hazard for pastors and teachers. I mean, we're kind of, that's our calling, right? Is to speak mm -hmm. and to guide and to direct and to shepherd. And I, I have to, I have to watch that and fight that temptation. Um, yeah. So that's a good question. What, Claire, I mean, do you have a sense of that? Like how often in conversation do you tell yourself or have to stop yourself and say like, I don't need to say that or I can let that go or. I think it probably depends on the person, how safe the mm -hmm. person is. I probably am worse at it with my husband, Nathan, than I would be with someone else that I don't know so well, because I don't feel like I need to filter myself as much as I do with Nathan mm -hmm. that doesn't mean that I shouldn't but you know your spouse is your safe person um and so maybe it would be more frequent I'd say with someone that I don't know as well um but that does not mean that uh, any hurtful or sinful thoughts aren't going on in my mind and mm -hmm. we know that that is the heart of the issue. That's what matters. So even if I don't say them, even I mean, that's, I'm still thinking them. So there's obviously a heart issue going on. So. Right. Right. Jeff, what if, uh, we all know that we can't put the toothpaste back in the tube, right? It's a great illustration, yeah. by the way. Um, but let's say we've said things that we regret. Mm. We wish we could take back. Mm. How do we go about mm talking about that with the person that we may have heard. Mm. Well, you know, it is all about a heart issue and uh, asking God to do the work in our heart first, uh, because maybe sometimes the hardest thing for us to do is even start that process of allowing God to speak into our hearts to just own the hurt that we've caused. Uh, and, and then, boy, God's vision of justice and righteousness in the Bible is always about restoration. Uh, so restorative justice means what do I owe this person that I have hurt with my words? Well, I certainly owe them an apology, a sincere apology, not a, you know, I'm sorry if you got offended thing, but here's what I did. This was, you know, God has really helped me see this was inappropriate. This was hurtful. Um, I, and, and to be humble about that, to acknowledge it and uh, to lament over it with that person and to be humble enough to let them say whatever they need to say in response. And to, then hopefully together, uh, especially if this is another believer, that, that you can both put that under the cross, under Jesus' blood, and both acknowledge that Christ has forgiven you for that. And there may be things that you have to repair or rebuild in the relationship as a result. We don't, trust is different from grace, right? Um, you know, we, we can't earn God's grace or forgiveness, but 
trust and relationship is something that gets built up over time. And, and if I've, you know, if this has been a long pattern in a relationship and, uh, you know, a long-standing dynamic, it may take time to yeah. rebuild trust and relationship there. Uh, mm -hmm. If it's just an offhanded thing, uh, you know, it doesn't require a, a huge deal, but it's always right to acknowledge it and apologize. I've, I've never regretted a single time I've apologized to anyone for something I've done wrong. And I have plenty of times of regretting not apologizing for things that I've said and done wrong. Uh, so it doesn't have to be a huge thing if it's not a huge offense, but the more serious it's, you know, harmed the relationship and, and undermined oh, trust, yeah. probably the longer it may take to recover and the more work it may take to rebuild. But it's, it's sort of like the saying, uh, the best time to plant a tree is 20 years ago mm -hmm. and the second best time is today. Mm -hmm. So the best time to start is today. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Cut for Time. If this conversation has blessed you in any way, we encourage you to consider sharing it with others. If you ever wish to submit questions to our pastors following their Sunday sermon, you can email your questions to podcast at faithliveitout.org, and we'll do our best to cover the question in the episode. We'll be back again next week. Thanks for listening.